Phoenix Suns have themselves a win streak. Again, Kevin Durant is back and the winning has followed. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we talk about another win over Oklahoma City, what this stretch of games with Kevin Durant has shown us, and one secret team that Suns fans might be a little anxious to see come playoff time that is sneaking up in the standings. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your week. Coming off of postgame here Sunday night, if you're here Sunday uh, Monday morning, welcome to a new week. You can find us in your feed every single Monday through Friday by hitting follow or subscribe. You can also follow along on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, wherever you get podcasts, wherever you are on social media. We're likely there. So get on board, get locked onto your favorite team each and every day. Brandon Duenas is joining us as he does every single Monday, coming off of this 128 to 118 victory by the Suns over the Thunder. Feels like the 10th time we've watched Suns Thunder in the past month, which is funny and weird, little quirk in the schedule, but obviously good to get a win. Duran had 35, Brandon, Devin Booker 22 and 10. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, 19 and 11. I'll let you go kind of wherever your mind takes you. I do want to tell people first that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. All right, 128, 118. What were your thoughts on the win, Brandon? Kevin Durant. I mean, he's that guy. He's, he's the human cheat code. And tonight's performance was just like another reminder that you know they can get out rebounded they can lose in second chance points they can get outshot at the free throw line by 13 and it doesn't matter because kevin durant's just better and that's that's kind of what we saw tonight he was very patient too. he was a patient 35 he let the game come to him and that's kind of what booker did too and you know but got off to a hot start then kind of disappeared down the stretch because the game was just coming to durant a little bit more naturally and um you know i just i just thought the suns played very well. This this is one of those games that like we talked about after that Dallas game, it's huge, like going in the playoffs to have uh, a road test, just, you know, with a, you know, a hostile crowd, you know, going against a young team that was hungry, trying to make yeah, play hostile in. crowd. So, I mean that you can say that yeah. part again. I mean, they, <laughs> I didn't think they hated him. I mean, I don't know if it was like fully anger or if it was kind of a little bit tongue in cheek, but they were, they were coming at him all night. Like it was pregame t- lineups. It was, Every time he touched the ball, and they did not let up. That crowd was, it was, it was very much a sixth man crowd for for Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, definitely. I didn't realize he was that disliked either. Um, so that that was news to me. I, I guess it kind of makes sense. Like they're so salty. Like it, you know, they left him for the Warriors, and uh, but it's so long ago. But that's that's kind of like how Suns fans are too. We'll, we're still doing Markeith Morris and, <laughs> yeah, and Marcus true. Morris. That's true, here. and they're not you know, they're, they're not as good as Kevin Durant. So. Exactly. So, but yeah, I thought it was a great win on the road. Um, chemistry, just getting those reps, like we've talked about, and you know, those episodes leading up to Durant's return, that these are those valuable late game reps, mm-hmm. closing out games um, in different ways. And I, I like the chemistry between uh, DeAndre and, and Kevin Durant too. I think there's there's something building there where 
KD just finds him at the right spot at the right time mm-hmm. more often than like, you know, guys we see on our team currently outside of maybe Chris Paul. He's I think yeah. the timing of his passes and putting DeAndre in position to succeed are, you know, crucial. Yeah, I have some numbers on the group altogether and, and some of the splits of, of shot attempts and stuff like that that I want to get into in the next segment. But yeah, the Suns were I mean, firing on all cylinders altogether offensively tonight. Durant led the way, obviously, with 35 points, but they were 57% shooting from the field tonight, 38% from three. They got to the free throw line a bunch, like you mentioned, and then, uh, well, you said that they got out out uh, free throw, but that's what happens when you play Shea, I guess. The Suns still had 28 of their own, and then 31 assists and only 13 turnovers, so pretty good there, too. Um, but to zero in on Durant a little bit, because that's just where my, my head went to, and, I mean, the stats, the box score... Uh, backs that up he was he was awesome five rebounds and five assists as well and he was 13 of 21 from from field goal range like I, I'm not obviously this is not the first time I've ever watched Kevin Durant like we all kind of are familiar with his game I mean I have the shirt on right here from his Brooklyn days but uh it, it's been another level to kind of watch him and, and like we all know I think Suns fans know what Booker's tendencies are what his weaknesses are the types of matchups that he struggles with although it seems like Lou Dort used to be on that list and no longer is but with Durant it's it's kind of cool to get to see him like day in and day out to that level and it just felt like Jalen Williams it 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 wasn't as good of a matchup as you would look at and feel like okay he's a young athletic player He's big, he's strong, he's long, all that stuff. And you would feel like Jalen Williams would would be able to, to do some damage. It just, it didn't feel like he he knew what his strategy was going to be. And it's fine, right? He's a rookie. It's the first time he's ever done this. But Durant just, it, it felt like had the uh, just a mental step ahead of Jalen Williams at every venture, every juncture of this game. I know he wasn't the only guy who guarded him, but I thought that battle was really cool. And just to see Durant... You know, yeah, the shots were maybe a little more contested than they sometimes are. He he had a guy kind of on him at all times, but it didn't at the end of the day affect him because he's Kevin Durant, but also because I just don't think Jalen Williams kind of knew what his game plan was. And uh, the, if if he does even a little bit better, I think Oklahoma City probably could have won this game. Yeah, and I think you you nailed it there, just describing Durant's game. His, his IQ is something that I think a lot of people that maybe don't watch him as closely understand, like how smart of a player he is, like, not only making the passes, but like defensively, he's extremely intelligent, being in the right spot, contesting without fouling. And that chase down block, like, good Lord, we have to talk about that for a second. Because it looked like he was trying to like decide and make up his mind if he actually wanted to do it at first, you know, coming off the ankle injury, like, should I actually go contest this? And then he's like, that competitive gene just like snapped. And he's like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. screw it. I'm going for it. And, you know, getting a piece of it. And that, that was huge. And then obviously the dagger threes were just icing on the cake and that, that's why he is, you know, a top five player, arguably a top three player in the league, uh, because when he turns it on on both ends, there's there's really nothing you could do about it. So I think the defense too is something that I've I've really uh, been impressed with, and I you know I shouldn't be, but it's just like it's it's just watching it, uh, you know, this closely. You kind of see the little things that maybe you want it if you're not following him uh, as directly. Yeah, great play on the block. Um, there were I, there was a play. I think he got fouled on a layup attempt in the third quarter and kind of hit the ground as well. And so 35 minutes for him too. It's nice to see him just looking more healthy, looking more like himself. I, I'm i just excited. It's only going to be a little while, obviously, before the playoffs. But 
Um, this is the show that that we were all hyped for, you know, two months ago, and and we're finally getting it. It's it's just going to continue to add on to itself. I was I was bummed we didn't get. I didn't end up doing a. I was going to do a bonus podcast on Friday, and the game was just so, um, you know, it didn't really tell us anything, teach us anything, but. Um, as we get more of these exciting kind of c- close game matchups against good teams, it's just going to be, it's just going to reveal itself how, how valuable he's going to be. I mean, we even saw him go, what did you think of the small ball look where he, in that fourth quarter before Aiton came back in, I think, I think it might've been at another stretch too, but, um, Durant was at the five and kind of going toe to toe with Oklahoma city small ball look as well. Yeah, no, I love it. It's it's like the point five system, literally, where he's your point and he's a five. Uh, yeah. At the same time, he's just bringing the ball down the court and really carrying those bench units too, like we've seen all throughout the years. So I think the the versatility he brings, like he can allow you to get away with stuff like that. Uh, maybe not for long stretches, but at least you know for a little bit. If you know come playoff time, eight and does get in foul trouble, or if there's you know an injury or something like that, there's it gives you another option that I think the Suns have lacked. Um, and anytime you know using him as essentially your five. He's obviously a stretch five, like probably the greatest stretch five you could possibly have um, at this point. So um, I think Monty loves having that, that floor spacing. So it makes sense. And it's something we definitely could see come playoff time in certain matchups, depending on, uh, you know, how things shake out. Yeah. It, you know, it's one of the reasons I wanted to see him play in that golden state game last week or the week before, whatever that was, because he, you know, that, that feels like another matchup when they go with Draymond at the five, the death lineup stuff that, that KD would be an obvious counter for it. Although Aiden did play well tonight and he's played well against the Warriors, it's it's just another look. It's not to say, you know, they're going to bench Aiden, but it's just yeah. what do you do in the other minutes? And that gives you more versatility and options. But yeah, I, I think... Of a, Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> yeah, instead of Frank Kaminsky or Dario Saric or whatever, um, you know, no shade on those guys, but it's it's another level, I think, when it's KD. So yeah, just another good building block game. Speaking of, uh, let's get into some of the numbers and trends we've seen across all three of these games. They've been a little uneven, not the most, you know, uh, with especially that Nuggets game, teaching, learning types of, of games. But, you know, three games is enough to start to notice some trends. And I think I've seen some promising stuff different than what we saw the first three before his last injury. So we'll get into that in a second. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy option out there. It's basically come in and, and fix all the things that were wrong with daily fantasy. Basically, you pick two to six players, and if they're going to score more or less than their Prize Picks player projection, and you can win up to 10, 25 times your money on any entry. So it's not you versus a pool, not you versus another opponent, not you versus anything except for those projections. It's just you versus what you think is going to happen. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less across all sports. Basketball, football, baseball, hockey, soccer, tennis, disc golf, they say they have, all of it. Entries can be made again in 60 seconds or less, safe and fast withdrawals. And PrizePix is currently operational in over 30 states in Canada, meaning, of course, that it's likely to exist where you are. They also have some, like, betting stuff within that. So you can set the lineup, but there's also just some, like, prop bets and projections that way where you can test your your wits and, and try to get some some cash going as well. Check it all out. It's a very fun, cool take on what before was a little stale. PrizePix fixed it. Download the PrizePix app. Go to prizepix.com. Sign up. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. So if you deposit $100, PrizePix puts $100 back in your account. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. 
All right, Brandon. So uh, I'll give you the the most interesting thing to me. So across these three games, the usage rate. Um, Kevin Durant is at the top, which was not the case the first time around at 30.4. Devin Booker basically tied with him at 29.2. But then interestingly, DeAndre Ayton is up above 20 at 20.1. He was down around 10 when Durant first debuted with this team. And then Chris Paul is right around 20 as well at 19.7. That balance to me, and you look at again tonight against the Oklahoma City Thunder, they had 31 assists. And, you know, all four of those guys basically had double-digit shot attempts. Chris Paul was at nine. That feels a lot better to me. And I know some people are like, why hold back what Durant can be? But I just look at what they've looked like over these three games, and it feels a lot more like the Suns adding Kevin Durant onto their team, whereas those first three games felt a little bit like, you know, Durant ball with, you know, an elite supporting cast better than he's ever had, but still a Kevin Durant type of performance we were used to. This has been a lot more balanced, a lot more 0.5, a lot more of a Monty Williams type offense and Kevin Durant just fitting into that. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think in order to win a championship, you can't as great as Kevin Durant is, you can't have it just be Durant ball. It has to be a team oriented offense where everything's clicking. Um, Everyone gets a little bit of, the involvement in every play offensively. And I think uh, that quote Monty had in terms of just trying to, you know, get two out of their four main guys with, uh, you know, Chris, Devin, Kevin, and DeAndre, having two of those guys on the floor at all times, I thought that was very encouraging. Um, and I think that's something we'll see more in terms of just trying to, you know, balance that that bench unit, especially come playoff time. Um, you know, the starters are going to be playing 35, 40 plus minutes and come playoff time anyways. But um, having two of those guys on the court at all times is just something that, uh, really alleviates pressure and gives whenever the other two are sitting, it kind of gives them more of a chance to get that usage rate up and, and be more involved in the offense. And then uh, when they're all clicking together, it's just no one could beat the Suns team. So it's, it's uh, you know, I, I truly believe that if they're at full strength, it's just, and they're playing the way we know they can, it's, it's going to be really tough to imagine them uh, drop any, any games. So shot attempts per 36 minutes in these three games, Durant is at 20. Booker is at 17.3. Aiton is at 13.1. Chris Paul is at 11.9. Paul is also taking five threes per 36 minutes in this stretch. He's not making a lot of them still, but uh, that's promising, I think. And again, the ball yep. movement, the, the connectivity has just felt a lot better. Um, I was talking about this on on the Just Basketball show today, that I the, the national show that I do, and um, – he, Chris, my co-host, asked me, like, what needs to click, what's going to click. And and you, you mentioned quotes. Kevin Durant himself said after the game on Friday night that his focus is the defensive game plan and just getting kind of locked into the schemes and, and communication and um, even, like, you know, word wording and language that they use for different calls and whatnot. So that's interesting. But mm-hmm. I was saying the same thing as you, big picture overall, whether it's offense or defense or whatever, like – you know, he was like, well, what needs to click for them to really hit their stride? And like, do you think it's going to happen fast enough? And I kind of answered him and I was like, I don't think it has to. I think they can beat teams without that. And like, that sounds so cocky and ridiculous for me to like, just, you know, whatever. Of course I live here. I cover the team. I, you know, I care about the team. I'm good. I, of course I was, I would say that, but I believe it. Like, I don't even think they have to be at their absolute best to be able to beat a, a good majority of teams, especially at home come playoff time. Yeah, and it's it's crazy to be able to say that with like a straight face. Yeah, uh, it really just, is. 
you know, you know, you know where we came from, like in terms of just from 2019 season on, like we've been, we've both been through it. We've been covering this team through some, some dark ages. So to be able to sit here and make a statement like that. And it's like true. I mean, obviously they still have to go out there and prove it, but like, it's, it's tough to refute that. And I think, you know, just at full strength, this team, uh, you know, no one in the West wants to see them. There's, you know, at this point, it looks like we're locked into the four seed. We'll get home court in that first round, which I think will be huge. And we'll kind of talk a little bit more about some of their potential matchups. But I mean, uh, it really doesn't matter as long as the Suns do what we know they can do and share the ball and, you know, just play like the, you know, Suns fans will hate me for saying this, but like the prime Spurs where they're just, everyone's kind of involved, but they're kind of a, a nuclear version of that with two elite scores that can go off at time. So when they play team ball, they're at their best. Um, it doesn't really matter how it comes. It just, they just need to figure out a way to just make the, the offense uh, flow naturally, not make it more like how Brooklyn had it as Kyrie and Katie kind of taking turns. It needs to be a collective effort. So that's, that's something I think we'll, we'll probably see a little bit more of these next few games. That is true. I feel like uh, not to derail from the Durant stuff, but Monty, uh, I don't think enough Suns fans, like Suns fans just embrace Monty despite his very obvious Spurs ties. That, that that's under that's underrated. I mean, I know he came from New Orleans and Oklahoma City and uh, the Sixers, obviously, right before he came. But we, we let an we let an infiltrator into our building and no one said anything about it. He just he just came out here. You know, he, he uses all these popisms all the time and very like Spursian mindset. And everybody just supports him. Although I guess on Suns Twitter, no one likes Monty. But you know, by and large, True. this guy is uh, has been respected. I don't think anyone on Twitter likes anyone or anything yeah. unless you unless it's after a win then they love everyone and everything is cured yeah then but. it's it's just it's just a celebration but yeah no good point on the Spurs thing I I think um any thoughts on the bench that was the last thing I was going to get to or just the rotation in general because I mean uh we talked about you know Duran at the five and some of the stuff so I guess really the bench because I um we saw Shamit tonight I've been kind of wondering why not see Shamit more if if Ross is basically with that Durant unit off the bench where it's Payne, Durant, uh, Warren usually, and then it's Ben Biombo most nights lately, and then Durant, it kind of makes Ross into just a, a shooter. It's like a, a deep kind of nitpick. It's, it's a very specific combination, but he just hasn't been playing super well since Durant came back, and so it's, it's caught my eye, and now I wonder if Shamit does slip in there, but... What are your thoughts watching how kind of the bench is shake, shaken out? Tonight they didn't play a ton, but, but what are you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're kind of slowly forming into like what they should become and like getting a little more used to each other, even though, like you said, tonight they didn't play a ton. But just, you know, seeing TJ Warren hit a couple threes, I thought was was nice just for his confidence. And I think at this point he's earned at least a, a shot at, you know, getting minutes to come playoff time. But I think a lot of these guys are probably going to have pretty short leashes because they can kind of replicate um, each other's skills and then uh, maybe different ways. Like you mentioned with Ross and Shaman, I think Damian Lee's pretty much out of the rotation at this point. There's, you know, um, especially with campaign back and, and looking a little bit more like his old self. Um, so I think at this point, it's just a matter of how many bodies they need and who steps up when they get the minutes. And that's, that's really what it's going to come down to uh, matchups, obviously play a factor as well, but it seems like they're slowly starting to morph into like, you know, that nine man unit. And I think, we'll probably get a nine-man rotation in, in the playoffs. But um, if if someone steps up ahead of the rest, then Monty could trim it to eight. Like, it wouldn't shock me at all. Let me ask you this question. I, I had this in mind, and then it slipped before now. But mm-hmm. if I asked you the version of Torrey Craig we've gotten this season, which I think is a lot better than 
I see some slander against him still, and I don't think people are paying close enough attention. I think he's been pretty good all year. First of all, I guess, do you agree with that? Do you feel like he's had a good season? Or are you one of the haters? I do. I, no, no, I do. I think if you, you just have to understand what his role is yeah. and accept him for who he is. I think some people just have some unfair expectations for him. Like, if you just embrace what Torrey Craig is, he does a great job in his role. And I think – especially the sun starting unit, like he does exactly like the dirty work and the stuff you need him to do um, as that fifth starter and, or just fifth guy in the rotation, no, no matter what point of the game it's in. I think he's a useful player still at this point. So I agree. And I think a good way to illustrate that to people is this question that I was about to ask you. So mm-hmm. if I asked you what, how, what percent better is Tory Craig, this version of him over last year's version of Jay Crowder? What's your answer? Because I don't think it's that wide of a gap. And I was just sitting watching him today. I, I think the biggest thing that I can say right off the bat, just so it doesn't sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, like the volume shooting, the the confidence of Crowder to let it fly on threes and, and create floor spacing that way, I think is pretty good. I think his IQ as a defender was is higher than Torrey Craig's. So I, I do think he's better, but if you told me he was like, if Crowder's a hundred, is Tory Craig like eighty? I would say even probably eighty-five, just because um, maybe pushing ninety. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to try to discount Jay's intangibles and like, I think just being the villain is something the Suns uh, they could have used someone like that. Uh, every every team could use someone like that, and they don't really have that still i don't think um so i think jay has some intangibles but when it comes to just stats and you know jay shoots you out of games sometimes at least tory craig you know he could have off shooting nights but he's not going to take 10 threes and, and miss all of them so um, <laughs> that's the thing right he was so too, streaky it's like he had the volume but you yeah. were going to get a lot of misses in there with that exactly and you know jay also he could have a game where he hit six threes out of nowhere so there's it's um, I, I don't want to completely discount his yeah. value, but I do think it's it's a good it's a fair question, and I think Craig is pretty similar as far as production. Um, yeah, when comparing them side by side, it's it's it, they are different. They are you know I, again I do think Crowder is better, but I was just kind of sitting there and I'm like I don't really know what more you could want from Tory Craig considering he's not getting paid a ton. He doesn't really need the ball. He doesn't really ever seem to care about what his role is. He's just out there to compete and and, and do his job and, and try to win. I don't know. I think he, he seems like a lock to me in the rotation as of now, and uh, there's not a lot of those. So I guess shouts out to him for, for earning yeah. that. But uh, let's dive into the standings. The West is still crazy. We have one week to go, the regular season. I have what a team that I don't think people are realizing could very well be a repeat Suns playoff opponent as, as early as the first round, probably in the first round if it's going to happen. Uh, and we'll talk about that next. They are a rival. I think people know where I'm going. We'll get into it. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by Built Bar, the best ever taste, the best tasting protein bar ever. Our favorite protein bar on the Lockdown Podcast Network, a longtime favorite. Honestly, I feel like I've been in love with uh, Built Bars as long as like my family or my wife. They are they are really a true love here for us. They have flavors for everybody. They're packed with 15 to 20 grams of protein in each and every bar, really no more than five grams of sugar or 150 calories. 
and there's flavors abound. They have fruit flavors. They have dark, rich, sweet chocolate flavors. They have more uh, caramel or nut flavors. If you're into a little bit of the different saltier types of thing, all of it is there for you. You're going to find something you love. You can go online, build your own pack. You can go to Walmart or Sam's Club and get a pack, uh, a bulk pack or a, a small pack for yourself at your local store. If you're already in that, uh, if you're if that's part of your daily routine, your weekly routine already, just grab a built bar there. It's delicious. It's healthy. It can replace a candy bar. It can be your post or pre-workout snack, whatever the case may be. You're going to find something you love and it'll work for you. Built Bar, best tasting protein bar ever. Try it at built.com. All right, so uh, coming out of the coming into the break, I was I was obviously teasing. It's the Lakers, Brandon, the the team that is currently in the seven seed. They are winners of three straight. They are seven and three in their last ten games. They have surged from will they even be in the play in to could they break out of the play in into the top six in the West. And I'm willing to go one further than that. I think that they are a legitimate threat to make it in to the five seed and play the Suns in the first round. And the reason that I say that is here on April 2nd, I already thought it, but then on April 2nd, as we're recording this, they won, the Lakers won, and the Golden State Warriors lost another game. And last night on April 1st, on Saturday, the Clippers lost to the Pelicans. So those two teams are falling. The Pelicans are another factor in here, and maybe you think it's them. Maybe you think it's the Clippers or Warriors, and I'm totally crazy. I'll, I'll let you tell me what you think. But I'm kind of I'm I'm worried on one hand because that's a tough team, and they have two superstar players who can swing any series. But I'm also starting to get excited and kind of root for this, Brandon, because I think it's one of the more fun outcomes we could get in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this with this potentially not to get too far ahead of myself, but, you know, what this could set up is, you know, Lakers first round, Nuggets second round. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. And, true. Uh, you know, maybe we get those both those teams healthy and there's no and there's no excuses, you know, bring it like for in, in that case, I'm all for it. Um, honestly, the Lakers are a tough first round matchup, but I, I'd rather play them than Golden State still. I'm in that mindset. Um the thing that kind of scares me about them is just, you know, the refs and just the free throws. And and uh, if, it, if it becomes like a ref ball series, I just really want no part of that. So that on one hand, that's where they kind of terrify me a little bit in that sense. But um, just looking at the schedule, the Suns are going to have of control of if they really do want to, like, say they wanted to try to avoid the Lakers. Uh, they play them in the, the second of a back to back. So hypothetically, I'm not saying they would do this, but if they wanted to rest their starters in that first game versus Denver on uh, Thursday, um, they could and just bring all their stars back for that Lakers game Friday night. And then, you know, last game of the season against the Clippers, let's just say they rest their starters. They're locked in the four seed. Um, you know, go ahead and take the game LA. Like, you know, we will uh, bump you guys back up in front of the Lakers. So that's, that's just something to, to monitor. I think a little bit, just the scheduling, uh, it's going to come down to, you know, this playoff race is insane. It's, it's going to come down yeah. to the last day. It would have been nice if the Suns had this whole month with Durant to where they could feel comfortable doing something like that. I just think they're going to value just the time uh, more than anything. Maybe yeah. they do sit Durant on the on the back-to-back. -back. I actually could see that. That might be a smart thing to do, to be honest with you. Maybe even Chris Paul, although he's a crazy maniac and he's going to play no matter what. But if they had had Durant for the whole time since the trade deadline, I think they would have been more likely. I just think they're going to play everybody if they can. But you're totally right that they have it in their in their control. Even beating the Lakers 
if they don't pull any shenanigans would be would be helpful right to their cause here yeah um and i would i could honestly see sunday i think that's fairly realistic i don't think they'll sit guys on the back-to-back like that but i could see them sitting people on sunday against the clippers if they really have locked in the four seat because there's just no reason to push it and especially you don't want to show your cards too much against the clippers team you might face right you don't want to like empty the the playbook but let's get into the schedules here just to give people a taste because the lakers have at utah at the clippers who are without paul george obviously coming in uh with a home game against phoenix next friday and they'll have a rest advantage because they aren't coming off a back-to-back that night and then they close out the season again with, with utah and that game is at home so pretty easy you would think they'd beat utah twice and then they just have to take one i think of the clippers or suns games to feel like they're in pretty good position the Clippers have the Lakers, then the Trailblazers, which should be a win, and then they close against Phoenix next Sunday, but that is the second game of a back-to-back for them. We would imagine Kawhi would play because he did play a back-to-back this this weekend, although he only played the first half of the first game, which was, I don't know. I still don't know what's going on there. And then um, Warriors have versus Oklahoma City at Sacramento at Portland. The fact that there's two road games in there, I think, uh, would stress me out if I'm a Warriors fan. And then last but not least, the Pelicans have the toughest schedule by far versus Kings, versus Grizzlies, versus Knicks at Wolves. They could lose all four of those games, and that would not surprise me. So that's part of why I'm not thinking it'll be the Pelicans. But, Brandon, I think it's just it's really possible. But tell me what you think of this Lakers team to get into that side of it, aside from the standings and the schedule. Is that a team that scares you more than the Warriors and Clippers? The same how do you feel about this new look Lakers team since the deadline with their new parts and kind of more cohesive roster? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at full strength, they're a threat. There's no denying that. Like you can make all the memes you want about how they started the season and everything. Um, you know, there's still issues there as far as like durability and health that I think will be genuine factors in terms of like, is this team going to be able to even stay healthy for six or seven games? Like there's no guarantees in that. Um, but I, I, Ranked the Warriors number one in terms of the team I'm most worried about of that group, uh, followed by the Lakers and then the Clippers below them, um, all pretty firmly in their spots. Uh, I, I just don't, uh, you know, the Clippers, they're still an annoying team that would be, you know, post some tough matchups and, uh, you know, just with their coaching and the whole Paul George situation, it's it's, it's still pretty murky, but I'd, I'd rather much, I'd much rather play them than the Lakers or Warriors. And, uh, you know, one very dark horse scenario that could still happen. It's something to monitor you know, potentially if the Kings, uh, their next two games on the road, um, it's a back-to-back at the Pelicans who are desperately fighting for a playoff spot. And then the next day at Dallas, who's desperately fighting for their playoff lives. If the Kings drop those two games, the Suns, you know, win their next two, all of a sudden you're looking at Sacramento has Golden State and Denver to close out their schedule. And the Suns, uh, you know, they could go 4-0 in the stretch pretty easily. I, I think so. Like, so I don't know. Number three is not completely dead. They would have the tiebreaker over the Kings if they somehow finished four down and the Kings, you know, lost out. But anyways, not to not to get too <laughs> into that scenario, but just the three seed is still in play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's something to talk about until maybe if, you know, the, the Kings lose their next two and we win our next two, then it's going to probably pop up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think at this point, getting back to your original question, uh, Warriors are the, the number one team I do not want to face in the first round. Yeah, I'm confused about the Andrew Wiggins thing, and I don't, nobody knows. I'm not the only person who's confused. He's he's just away from the team, and they're not really explaining. They don't have to, but it's hard to say until we know what's up there. Because especially with Durant, you know, he's probably their best option to guard Kevin, and then 
you know, all the stuff there, they're not going to be their best team without him. So that's a, that's a big question mark for me. Yeah. The, the Warriors and and Pelicans have the best conference schedule among this. So, uh, you know, tiebreaker goes to that after head to head. It's very much up in the air, but, um, I just wanted to make people aware. I, not that, you know, looking at the standings would, would be easy enough, but I did, I really want to take credit. I tweeted this after Friday. So I, or after Saturday's loss that the Clippers had. So I did get out ahead of it. It was before the Warriors lost to the Nuggets. I was on, I was on it, but we'll see. We'll see who it is. The Lakers would just be an all-time series. I mean, that's, that's about as fun as it gets. You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James versus Booker Paul and, and Duran is, is about as, as fun uh, a star-laden matchup as you could ask for. We'll see what happens. One more week to go. This time next week, Brandon, we will know all of the combinations and permutations. They will all be decided, and, 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 and we'll know who the Suns are playing because they're not going to have to worry about the play-in too much, I don't think. Um, last thing for you, do you have any jokes or, or laughter or anything at Dallas's expense here? Do you want to dig their grave a little bit, throw some, throw some dirt on top of them? So, I mean, I went to, to Ace Hardware. I bought a shovel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm buying some tools. I'm ready to dig this this grave. It's, it's still not, you know, they're not completely dead. So I'm going to wait. Yeah, that's I'm true. Not gonna jump the gun. But um, I love it. I'm I'm bathing in it. Um, you know, sign me up for for all the dysfunction in that organization. It's it's something I predicted beginning of the season. You can go back on uh, Solar Panel and listen to me and Dave King talking about you know, the, the Mavericks. And I said, I'm promise you, I'm not saying this because I'm salty losing Jalen Brunson will hurt them. This is a team that, you know, revolves around Luca. This is before obviously Kyrie or anything, but I said, if they miss the playoffs, it wouldn't shock me. Um, so I, I, this is, you know, a dream come true if it, if it comes to fruition. So I'm, I have the shovel ready. I'm ready to dig it. And, uh, you know, everyone's invited to, to come to that funeral. So, uh, the, you know, that's that's all I got to say about that. You mentioned they have the Kings on Wednesday. Um, they have the Bulls on Friday who are in a little bit of a battle, although I think they're, they have some ground on the 10 seed, so maybe they're not going to be playing as hard. And then the Spurs to close things out. So the Mavs should be able to win those three games if they really need to, but it's just crazy to look at the fact that they played great on Wednesday. They lost to the Sixers. It happens. They, you know, might might have lost to the MVP who's about to get, you know, his award this year. But with with their season on the line, they absolutely need to win games to make not just the playoffs, but the very last seed in the play-in. And they lose to Miami and Atlanta. Yes, on the road. Yes, they're on a five-game road street road trip. That's not a great situation to be in late in the season. But even before that, they lost back-to-back games against the Charlotte Hornets. And so it's not just like, oh, the the Mavericks have like one game worse record than these other teams like that'll be the margins it's not like something to be so embarrassed about it's the it's the nature of how it happened and the fact that with your season on the line you lost to lottery teams consistently and and teams that are just worse than you flat out less talented less put together you are supposed to have a you know top five player in the league allegedly that that hasn't seemed to help you so uh you know i look i guess we got to keep the trolling a, a little bit in check here but it's uh it's pretty bad. It's it's pretty rough that that they weren't able to to do anything. They've lost seven of their past eight games with their season absolutely on the on the brink, and they had no answer for that. So, probably going to get a new coach. Might lose Kyrie. I don't think any Suns fans are going to lose any sleep. They're gonna they're going to be celebrating all summer if that's what happens. Absolutely. I think uh, after Booker and Luca got into it, you know, 
So I remember vividly Mavs Twitter saying, this is what's going to turn the season around. Uh, you sure about that? Like, it looks like that. Like, For the Suns, I guess, broke. right? Is that what they meant? I guess so. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. So Brandon will be sending an invitation to everybody for the funeral later this this April. We'll see <laughs> where and when it happens. There's there's some there's plenty of nice spaces. Um, probably some some rentals op uh, casket and you know all uh, tombstone space available. And uh, you know Arizona has a lot of, of really beautiful places to go visit. It's it's just gonna have to have a, a you know pretty big for like the whole team. I don't know if I'm being disrespectful, but I'm gonna end the show now. That'll wrap us up for today, guys. Thank you for joining us here on Monday, making Lockdown Suns your first listen to start your week. Uh, we'll have a show after the Spurs game. We'll have a show getting it leading into the Spurs game. Every game all week. If there is a big matchup Friday, if the Lakers play everybody, if the Suns play everybody, I'll have a bonus episode then. And then we're in playoff time. So hit follow or subscribe. Uh, stay locked on to your favorite team. Follow at Locked On PHX Suns. In the meantime, go make Locked On NBA your second listen. Get caught up on everything else going on around the league. More of this standing stuff, more of this award stuff, all of it. That show's available on all podcast platforms as well. And I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.